In the summer of 2011, Copenhagen experienced the most destructive cloudburst in the city's history. While the event was damaging, it also became the catalyst for a way of thinking about urban water management that has never been more relevant. Because growing urbanization and climate change create complex risks for our cities, making them hotspots for water crises. From floods in Seoul to water scarcity in Cape Town, cities around the world are faced with the challenge of adapting their water management to more extreme and uncertain climate conditions. And Copenhagen has made important ground on how to do just that. You're listening to Sound of Green, a podcast from State of Green. Each episode, we invite experts and stakeholders to convey Danish perspectives on a given challenge of the global green transition. Through decades of experience, Denmark has turned many of these challenges into opportunities. By sharing these experiences, we hope to help you do the same. In this episode, we explore how urban water management can build more resilient and livable cities. On the 2nd of July 2011, Copenhagen experienced the very real damage that extreme water events can cause firsthand. If you happened to be in Copenhagen that evening, it was clear from looking at the sky that rain was on its way. I was in my my garden here behind me and it was extremely humid and I was watching this massive uh, buildup of clouds. This is Jes Clausen Coase. He's a chief consultant with the Greater Copenhagen Water Utility called Hufo. And he saw that it wasn't just your average rainfall that was building up. I have spent altogether approximately 10 years in the tropics in Africa and Southeast Asia. And I've seen it there and never seen it in Denmark like this before. When the rain finally started pouring, water flooded streets and basements throughout the city, culminating in a hundred-year event. In the two hours where the cloudburst hit Copenhagen, rainfall was measured at up to 200 millimeters in the hardest-hit places. In just 30 minutes, critical infrastructure at the city's biggest hospital started to flood, and the water was only a few centimeters away from resulting in an evacuation. In the end, the cloudburst resulted in damages amounting to costs of around 1.6 billion euros, making it the most expensive natural disaster in Europe that year. In other words, the water overwhelmed Copenhagen in a way that city authorities weren't prepared for. How well equipped was Copenhagen to handle extreme weather like this when it happened? Not very well, <laughs> to be sort of frank and honest and, and brief. This is Lykke Leonardsen, the program director for Resilient and Sustainable City Solutions at the city of Copenhagen. We had started the process uh, of, of, of looking into climate adaptation before the big cloudburst in 2011. So we had a, a sort of the, the, the elements of uh, uh, what kind of climate change impacts would the city actually be facing in the future. And one of them was heavy rain. Our risk assessment showed that that was sort of the most imminent threat for the city, uh, with sea level rise being the, the next one. But, I mean, none of us had anticipated that, <laughs> that it would be so soon. The cloudburst itself was remarkable. But it was the work that came after to secure Copenhagen in the future that has made the city a global frontrunner 
in urban water management solutions. And central to that work was creating the Cloudburst Management Plan. As one of the first cities in the world, Copenhagen developed a comprehensive plan to manage future rainwater. Against the backdrop of the cloudburst in 2011, it was easy to rally around the need for action. Major changes concerning water management in Denmark is related to disasters. The plan here and also later on the actual action plan with money and everything was approved in 20 seconds in, in the city government in Copenhagen. But it wasn't just the sense of urgency that made the plan possible. Another key factor was the close collaboration between public and private stakeholders. The engineering and consultancy firm Rambøll are a primary private partner in the Cloudburst management plan. And as they can attest to, this kind of public-private collaboration is uniquely Danish. Well, in contrast to, to most projects, we as a private company were very closely involved in in the decision-making processes and were developing the solutions alongside the municipality and the utility company. And um, this is different compared to other countries. This is Ida Marie Knussen. She's a senior climate adaptation and urban water management specialist at Rambøll. As part of their contribution to the Cloudburst Management Plan, they developed a framework for stakeholder involvement a framework that has since been adopted by cities like New York. Working with the cloud-based plans, Rambøll took the role of organizing the stakeholders across agencies and uh, sectors and the municipalities. And with the experience of this in Copenhagen, we sort of developed what you'd call a cloud-based formula, which is a scheme that is called Smart Integrated Infrastructure Planning. And this methodology provides a, a sort of clear line aside from uh, the client, in this case municipality, from their vision to implementation by uh, knowing who to involve and when to involve them. Based on this framework, the city of Copenhagen made an intentional and concerted effort to invite relevant stakeholders into a space where they could voice their thoughts. And from politicians to citizens, it paid off, as Lykke Leonardsen explains. We have received a lot of praise from our politicians for the process that we made, uh, making sure that they could be invited into our uh, thoughts and considerations along the way so that it wasn't just, they weren't just presented for a finished take it or leave it proposal, but actually sort of were involved in the development of it. Uh, there was also not a lot of controversy in in. Uh, in our communication with the public. We had public hearings. And uh, uh, in general, people were really uh, excited about having more green and blue in the city. Uh, they were excited about the fact that we were actually trying to solve something that was had been a problem. So how does the Cloudburst Management Plan actually go about solving the challenge of securing Copenhagen for heavy rainfall in the future? Well, the plan consists of two main components. The first is traditional measures to lead rainwater away through an expansion of the sewer network 
The second is 300 separate surface projects, which are spread over seven different local catchments. All solutions in the plan have a minimum implementation timeline of 20 years and are prioritized based on where the risks are highest and where there are opportunities for synergy with other ongoing urban planning. As Jess Clausen Coates from Hofau explains, each individual solution is part of a bigger picture. And this is being constructed at the moment, this jigsaw puzzle. Instead of simply viewing rainwater as something to dispose of and hide in sewers, the plan combines underground solutions with green surface solutions that utilize the water to enhance the lives of citizens. This combination is part of what makes Copenhagen's approach successful. So uh, some people say, oh, but you can do everything on the surface and with green solutions. And other people say, you just make, make bigger sewers. But the ideal thing is the, uh, the combination. There's, there's, there's no green solution that can handle this extreme amount of water. So you must combine them. Another thing that characterizes the solutions pursued in Copenhagen is multifunctionality. Because heavy rain doesn't happen every day. And so for the investments in the new infrastructure to be worthwhile, they must also serve a purpose at other times. A good example of this is the cloudburst tunnels. Also called highways for stormwater, these tunnels are some of the biggest investments in the cloudburst plan. And while their main purpose is to secure the city during cloudbursts, they also have a climate protection effect on a more regular basis. The big challenge by making these cloudburst tunnels is uh, it's a huge uh, investment. And you don't want it just to be in function once every 10 years or every 50 years. For example, they are now being used uh, when our uh, sewer system is overloaded just with a, a normal daily rain, but still sort of a bigger daily rain and they're getting overloaded. We spill it into the tunnels instead. So they become a kind of retention tanks. So, so this way they have several uh, functions. Speaking of investments, the financial backbone of the Cloudburst management plan is unique in itself. When the business case for the plan was developed, it assessed how to best protect Copenhagen at a service level at which damaging floods do not occur in a 100-year rainfall event, like the one in 2011. It was clear that a combination of underground and surface solutions was the most viable option. However, this required a change in national legislation to allow the utility to work with and finance solutions on the surface. That is exactly what happened. And as Ida-Marie Knussen from Rambøll explains, the water industry as a whole can play a crucial role in pushing for change that enables better solutions. Doing things differently will often challenge the existing Uh, governance and legislation. And this was also the case in Copenhagen. I think working in the water industry, we have an, uh, a responsibility to uh, advise and, 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 and guide the political decision makers on how these new tasks are being solved most efficiently so that the legal and financial frameworks can adjust according to these new issues. In the end, the deciding parties settled on a co-financing model, where the utility Hufo finances the solutions concerned solely with managing water, while the money for urban space improvements comes from the city of Copenhagen. This creative approach, where most of the efforts are financed by the utility, is considered a key part of Copenhagen's success. The government very quickly 
decided on how they should be financed. All interventions related to water should be financed under water bill. And then any urban improvement on top would be financed by the, uh, by the municipality. And so the government is not in with any financing. And all other cities and all other countries are discussing how are we going to finance it. They say, how can you build so much because we have agreed on the financing? And that's it. The implementation of the solutions laid out in the Cloudburst Management Plan is an ongoing process, but the efforts have already made Copenhagen a more resilient city. When another big cloudburst hit the city in the summer of 2014, the solutions proved to be successful at securing the city and lead the water away safely. But resilience is about more than just clever solutions for health and safety. For the city of Copenhagen, working with resilience is just as much about the citizens. One thing is is making it physically more resilient by doing what we are doing. Um, the other thing is also making the citizens more resilient. Uh, uh, because a lot of what we also have to do is, is about explaining why are we doing this? Uh, why do we why can they expect actually to see water on the street sometimes? And that that's not a bad it's not because we don't know what we are doing. It's actually because we know what we are doing. It's about making them understand that that's also part of becoming resilient, knowing that, that, that things have changed in, in that respect. Copenhageners have become more accustomed to climate adaptation solutions in their everyday lives. And crucially, they feel that the solutions increase the quality of life in the city. One of the things that really makes me happy is to go around and see some of the projects that we have done and see how they are being used by Copenhageners. Uh, and, and that they do not necessarily see them as climate change adaptation projects. They see a great new park. They see a great new square where they can sit and, and, and enjoy life. A prime example of this is the harbor where more than 100,000 people enjoy a swim every year. This was made possible by improved wastewater management and efforts to mitigate combined sewer overflows. And the public greatly values the work that the utility does to keep the bathing water clean. The bathing water in Copenhagen Harbor has contributed to livability in Copenhagen. It's popular. And, and when we made an investigation, are you prepared to pay a little bit more for the water so that we can swim in Copenhagen Harbor most of the time. People said, yes, we like to pay some extra so that we can swim in our harbor. It's, it's a sign of, of, of cleanliness and, and it's, it's an attraction for the city. The harbor and the many other projects in Copenhagen are a testament to the fact that the value of good urban water management goes beyond just hydrology and functionality. The urban water management should increase the value of water in the cities by also considering, for example, the, the cultural value of water and the value of public health. And with a um, holistic approach to viewing all of the urban challenges, uh, we uh, as uh, water managers to, should seek to implement these multifunctional solutions which can deliver the multiple benefits that we want, like improved biodiversity or air quality, which in turn hopefully will help to create more 
resilient and livable cities. The cloudburst in 2011 was clearly an important impetus for change in Copenhagen. But as Lykke Leonardsen explains, other cities don't have to wait for an extreme weather event to learn from Copenhagen. We very often get that question. I mean, uh, where would you be in Copenhagen if it hadn't been for the cloudburst in, 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 in 2011? And I'm sure it really speeded up the process. But there are cities, a city like Amsterdam, what they did, they said, okay, if this can happen in Copenhagen, what uh, would it be possible for this also to happen in Amsterdam? And so they 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 did um, uh, they got the uh, the meteorologists to to sort of say, okay, what would happen in Amsterdam? And yes, they could have a cloudburst the size of Copenhagen also in Amsterdam, and they could see how much damage that would do to the city and use that as a stepping stone to 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 create something. You have to go through all kinds of scenarios thinking, what could happen if? The story of how Copenhagen managed to adapt holds several important learnings that other cities can be inspired by. First of all, the value of early and inclusive stakeholder management is hard to overstate. Well, I think the, the greatest le- uh, learnings have been that the fact that the need to involve as many stakeholders as possible, as early as possible in the process. It is much easier to develop solutions that are acceptable and maybe even beneficial for all stakeholders. When it comes to actually creating a plan for these solutions, the key is to have a long-term holistic perspective and make sure that all the individual solutions fit together in the bigger picture. Everything is is a part of a jigsaw puzzle, but you can only do it with a big coherent plan so you know exactly where the water is going, where is it going to be held back. Make this comprehensive plan, know how the water is running in your city, and then develop what are the solutions we should go for. And then it will take 10, 20 or more years before the plan is completed. But you have a plan and you can move ahead. While Copenhagen is using its plan to move along, the work is far from over. As the cloudburst and climate adaptation solutions continue to be realized, new areas of possible improvement continue to show up. As Lykke Leonardsen from the city of Copenhagen explains, all cities are faced with rethinking and adapting their water cycle to make it as sustainable as possible. So what does the future of urban water management look like in Copenhagen? It's really about looking at the urban water cycle in the future. I think that's not just for Copenhagen. I think it's for, for many cities around the world looking at, at how do we... How do we create an optimal use of the water that we got. Isn't it stupid that we flush our toilets with drinking water, that we water parks with drinking water or lawns and whatever? I mean, there's a lot of things where we could use second-grade water, uh, and and I think that is one of the things that, that we will look into in the future. Another important avenue for progress is digitalization. Every conceivable part of society is affected by how we manage water challenges. And that makes the task of water management an incredibly complex one. According to Ida-Marie Knudsen from Rambøll, digital solutions will be key to breaking down that complexity. Water management deals with very complex problems. And I think a part of the solution for understanding the complexity of, of water management will come through a further development of AI and 
sort of data-driven decision-making in, in water management. When looking to the future, it's clear that the need for good urban water management isn't going anywhere. Water will continue to be the source of global climate challenges, but also the key to solving a lot of the overarching sustainability crises that Copenhagen and all other cities around the world are facing. Decisions made today will affect our cities for years to come, making urban water management an ever-important and ever-exciting driver in the global green transition. It is a huge responsibility for the city to work with these issues, to, to uh, uh, ensure that what, what we are doing now will keep Copenhagen safe for many years to come. I mean, a lot of what we are doing might not have an impact today, but only in about 50 or 100 years when I'm long gone, at least not working in the city anymore. The transition will not be overnight, but it will be smart if we are transitioning our systems to, to new conditions and new functions, um, while always looking towards our long-term vision. I think that the future is very exciting <laughs> on water management, but it has always been. Thank you for listening to this episode of Sound of Green. We want to give a special thanks to Jes Clausen Kors from Hofor, Lykke Leonardsen from the city of Copenhagen, and Ida Marie Knudsen from Rambøll for sharing their experiences. For more stories and solutions from the Danish green transition, visit our website, stateofgreen.com. Here, you can dive deeper into Denmark's approach to creating a sustainable society and connect with the solution providers that make it possible.